0: Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan via Zoom, live from U.S. Bank Stadium after the Vikings' 33-27 loss to the Chicago Bears. Gentlemen, it was another December home loss to Mitchell Trubisky in the Bears. Uh, but Jim, it kind of starts with the Vikings defense, right? I think Mike Zimmer said it after the game. Uh, last time we played these guys, they didn't score an offensive touchdown, and it was a different story this time.
1: Coming in, the Bears had scored 30 points three times a season, all on bottom against bottom five defenses, and they treated the Vikings as if they were a bottom five defense. They ran, I mean, Montgomery ran it well. Trub- It looked really good. I still don't know if Trubisky's good, but he played well today. Uh, They made it easy for him. And, you know, part of it is Kendrick's being out. Part of it is the defensive line. uh, You know, Hunter and Pierce and people are missing. But, you know, we're at a point in the season where everybody has injuries. Everybody's missing key players. They just didn't play well.
0: Yeah, the only defenses that really the Bears ran on like this were the Lions, the Texans, the two teams they had played just before the Vikings coming in here establishing this running game. Uh, Ben, how much of it do you think it is just missing Kendricks and and how much of it just is getting out coached and outplayed here on Sunday?
2: Well, certainly I think Kendricks being out is a decent part of it. I I think things are probably more difficult to run in the ways that they were doing it, where they're trying to press the edges and and have guys over pursuing things and be able to get cuts to the backside. I, I think that's probably harder if Eric Kendricks is playing, but you also I don't think you can just sit there and say that none of it would have been there for them if he had been active. I, I think this has been a bear team that's run the ball better. I think they've made some changes to their offensive line that have helped them, but it's, you know, we've seen this enough that I think it's hard to just say, well, if you tweak this one thing or this other thing, then everything is fine. And the teams that you mentioned that they've done this to are not very good. I mean, the, the defenses they've done this to, the bears have done this to are not very good. So at some point you have to say that may be where they are. And there's a long list of injuries that I think things are awfully different. And that's going to be probably what you hear in the next few weeks here is if we'd had Danielle Hunter and Michael Pierce and Anthony Barr, it would be a different story. And that's probably true. Mike Hughes you can maybe throw in there, but, um, the, the, the gamble of all of this was that we can make this work with all of these new guys coming in and, Injuries are part of an NFL season and when you have injuries like they do, they are in a spot where you have a lot of unproven guys to try to step in and, and you see things like this today happen as a result of that, I think.
0: Yeah, and it's not like Mitchell Trubisky was a world beater. I mean, he did enough to, to help them win. Um, I think that the quarterback mobility, the options that kind of added a little layer to the running game that the, looked like the Vikings weren't if they were prepared for it coaching wise, they weren't ready to handle it because they got beat by it so often. Um, Trubisky was able to gain 34 yards. David Montgomery had a career high rushing day, two touchdowns, one of them right up the middle, um, through even Anthony Harris at one point, um, as he tried to tackle him near the goal line, even the Vikings veterans who got their hands on him, weren't able to really do much. Um, I guess, Jim, we're seeing now Matt Nagy's, I think five and one against the Vikings in his tenure here, Ben, you pointed that out after the game, um, it's the also it's the Nagy Trubisky combination because the only win they've gotten against Nagy was Nick Foles starting. I guess how much do you put on that considering Trubisky's not necessarily a giant part of their offense?
1: Well, Trubisky is not a great player, obviously, at least I don't think he is, but he, he does operate Nagy's offense the way Nagy wants op- operate. He does give him a running option on the quarterback. He lost his runs that capability. I really just think that they they overestimated Nick Foles, and if Trubisky isn't going to be their guy, they're going to need somebody like Trubisky. But Foles just didn't any good, I and mean, we just know that now. He just he had his one moment of glory, and Trubisky allows me to – And then Ben came up with these stats, and I used my column, and you pointed it out. Uh, he's one of five against Nagy. He's only beaten Nagy when Foles is on the field. He's one of three against Lafleur. The one victory he had against the Packers since Lafleur arrived was what now looks like kind of an aberration and the lions, if they aren't, you know, if the lions aren't completely incompetent and I think they probably are, but if they aren't, they're probably about to go hire somebody like LaFleur and Nagy to run the lions and they have Stafford and Gallaudet and Swift and some real talent there. So, you know, Mike, Mike's got some challenges ahead of him. <laughs>
0: That's one way to put it, Ben, you had brought up, it's the young, the young kind of assistant coaches coming up, the smart offensive coaches that get these jobs, whether it's Nagy, LaFleur, They've kind of been a thorn in Zimmer's side recently.
2: They have. And those are the types of coaches that we've heard him say in the past. I I want to drive this type of football out of the game. I mean, I think that was the phrase he used when he talked with Mark Craig about this last year. And we heard him say it in 2018 after the, uh, the chiefs Rams shootout on Monday night football. And he said, that's not for me. Probably I would get out if that's the way we're going. Well, it's the way they're going. So if you want to drive this out of the game, you're going to get a lot of opportunities to do it because there are a lot of teams going to this now, and you have a lot of quarterbacks that are able to execute things in a much more nuanced way, just because they are they are so mobile. I and mean, when we see it with Kyler Murray, we see it with you know, Patrick Mahomes. Certainly, um, you know Jalen Hurts is what the Eagles are probably going to try to develop around here too. So. There's a lot of that that is now part of the game and you either have to shut it down and make teams stop doing it or adapt to it. Kind of like what we've seen the Seahawks do where, Hey, we've got Russell Wilson. We can go play this type of an offense. So um, yeah, it's, it's funny because he has made it very clear how he feels about these coaches and, and this type of thing. But now The teams, the coaches that you are counting on to give you help to get into the playoffs are Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay, who all face these uh, teams in the next couple of weeks, unless you wouldn't have to root for Matt LaFleur if the Bears go lose to the Jaguars next week. But uh, odds are that's not going to happen. So, yeah, all of these young coaches that are in position to – help you are the ones that are whose approach you're not terribly fond of on um, uh, whatever level that matters. Well, before we get into the playoff picture
0: and, and the Vikings falling kind of out of it, at least potentially here outside of a long shot, um, let's talk about just the offense quick in this one, because we don't need to talk about the kicker, right? Kicker Dan, Bale, <laughs> no concern for him. He makes all five of his kicks um, and the Vikings are fortunate, I guess, that they don't have one extra problem to worry about. But the offense... We saw them fail multiple times today on third and short, fourth and short. They had multiple turnover on downs in their own territory, needing to just gain a yard with that running game. And then they even come down to a fourth down and tenth at the end there where they decide to pass it. Jim, what did you think about that play call
1: and just their execution overall? Yeah, I think the interior short yardage running – was problematic because of a matchup. I mean, the Vikings' interior line is not dominant. not that big. And they're going to win Sakeem Hicks. It's just a bad matchup. So it's that's the thing. Second-guessing play-calling is the easiest thing for any writer or fan to do. Oh, that didn't work. You should have done something different. Well, the interior running wasn't working very well, so they tried something cute. They tried play-action, bootleg, get Cousins out to the right where he's going to have an easy throw, and the Bears played it really well, and Cousins – you know, Cousins kind of second-guessed himself a little bit on the Zoom call with us saying, maybe I could have ripped one to Jefferson. Maybe I could have got one to Conklin, but he didn't. It is fourth and one. Cousins probably should take a shot there at getting the ball to somebody, and he just kind of gave up on the play.
0: Yeah, and there were a couple times we saw him do it. I mean, there was the viral clip um, of Jefferson getting frustrated in the end zone after a second and goal incompletion was thrown over him. Looked to me like Jefferson wanted the ball, wanted that thrown sooner. Um, and the pass just kind of gets there delayed, as, as Cousins said after the game. Traffic was such, he didn't want to take that risk. It's, again, it's that risk aversion that we're seeing with this passing game that sometimes doesn't give these guys the chances to go up and get it. Ben, I guess same question to you. What did you think before of that fourth and one play call and just in general, their lack of execution in um, some of these kind of running game situations that they normally thrive in?
2: Well, the, the fourth and one to me was interesting in part because they have. You know, they've made they've hung their hat on Delvin Cook, and, and that's a got-to-have-it play in a game that you have to win. And it's interesting to see kind of how they handle some of those situations because we saw it in, in Seattle where it was fourth and one. They don't go try to run the ball with Alexander Madison and go try to win the game. Um, you know, you, you think that maybe is where their identity is going to be, and I agree, Jim. It is the easiest thing in the world because it's A or B. Hey, well, if you didn't do this, then you should have done that. I mean, it's not it doesn't take a lot of nuance to try to figure that out. But just in the sense that they've made such a claim of this is our offense, I I was a little surprised that that was the call in a moment where they had to have it. And um, as it turned out, it obviously didn't work.
0: I also found it in to follow-up on, on the Jefferson point, too, because, Ben, you obviously saw the the viral clip. We saw it, the play live happen with Jefferson getting frustrated in that um, end zone. Um, I thought it was interesting. Jefferson came out after the game and tweeted, um, I'm not a diva, don't get it twisted. And I'm not saying it has anything to do with this, but it does come on the heels of Stefan Diggs coming out and saying, I didn't like the offense. That's why I wanted out of there.
2: Yeah, I I thought that was interesting, and I don't know if that was in the back of his mind or if that was something that somebody mentioned to him to try to clear it up or or what. But I don't necessarily look at Diggs as a diva either, though. I I think – I mean, Diggs certainly ran hot and cold, and I think Diggs thought that we will be better off if I have the ball. And and I think you want good players to say that. I don't think it was just with him about I want the stats and I I want – You know my numbers to be great. I mean, that's that's probably a little more how I would define it as a diva. I I think with him, it was, I think I can be the man. And I I don't really disagree with that the way he's produced. I think he's done that on the field enough to have a claim to that and to say that we are better off if I'm getting the ball because I'm good enough to help us win. So I, I think the thing you wonder about with jefferson over time and and overall he said all the right things i think he's done a lot of the right things i I think he's genuinely at least what we've seen a a pretty good guy and uh, you know somebody that's not coming in here and necessarily rock the boat but we see it over time if guys start to get frustrated with the direction of things does the tone start to change i i I don't think we're there i don't think we're even close to there i just it's an interesting thing to note in the in the sense that digs went the way it did
0: Yeah. And also, I guess, uh, Jim, before I ask you the same question, we should note that this happens probably multiple times per game with multiple quarterbacks. This is just one that got caught on camera and was very kind of, um, animated from Jefferson in terms of how frustrated he was. And then of course the boom mic or whatever, the, the, the satellite mic picks up him and what he says. And it says, you know, something to the effect of throw the ball, (laughs) give me a chance. Uh, Jim, what did you think of that whole situation and just Jefferson's game in general right now?
1: Uh, well, Jefferson's a phenomenal player. And listen, I think it is the nature of the position to, you know, and however you want, to, you want to describe it as diva or arrogant or whatever. Receivers feel like they can only help the team if the ball is thrown their way and thrown their way in the right situation, you know, on time. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, I've, I just don't know that I've ever covered a top receiver who didn't have that in him to some extent. Well, you know, the interesting thing I'll say is 2018, the Bears game, you had the Thielen-Cousins thing on the sideline during a very frustrating loss where they played poorly. And today, we saw Cousins yelling at Johnson, BB, Irv Smith. We saw Jefferson yelling at Cousins. I do think there are some pent-up frustrations about the way the year has gone. And the challenge for this offense is you have a highly-paid quarterback, you have a highly paid running back who's great. You have a highly paid you know, receiver, Thielen, who's great. And you have a rookie receiver who's exceptional. And it's just going to happen. If things aren't going well and you don't have full faith in the quarterback to make things happen, I think you're going to see this kind of
0: frustration. Yeah, especially when it's an offense that is putting up 27 points in a game against the Bears that you typically would like to think you win. I like to think 27 points is enough against Chicago to put up a win. and win. And Kirk came to Minnesota thinking that he's going to be part of this team where 27 points is enough to win most games. Yeah, for him. Good point. And that yeah. has not been, yeah, that has not been the case in 2020. I mean, he has had to win a very different way. This team has had to win very differently. Um, speaking of that and where this season's at, they're six and eight. They are looking up at the playoff race now from, um, from the bottom of it because I believe Arizona finished off its game against Philadelphia. Um, Ben, you're the one who's following all this for us. So just kind of set the picture of where the Vikings are at, at six and eight and how much of a long shot is it?
2: So this is the scenario. And I think this is the only one that allows them in at this point. I, I don't think there's another way you have to start by winning your first, winning your two games against the saints and the lions that that has to happen at a minimum. Then you need the Cardinals to lose twice against the 49ers and the Rams. Now the fact that the Rams lost to the jets today Uh, may actually help the Vikings in the sense that they are not going to be resting starters in week 17, probably. I mean, they're probably going to be trying to win that division, and we have to put out a good effort against the Cardinals and, you know, maybe be able to beat them. But even if you have those things, you need the Bears to lose at least once. So next week's game is in Jacksonville. Assuming they win that against the one-win Jaguars, that means you are rooting for – the Green Bay Packers in week 17 to beat the bears to help you get into the playoffs. Now the Packers, because the saints just lost the Packers only need to win one game to have the number one seed wrapped up. So if they win next week against the Titans, which I I think is a big F what Derek Henry is doing and what we've seen from that run defense, but they play Sunday night at Lambeau field. If they win that, they have the number one seed locked up and could potentially be resting starters against the bears. So, It's not impossible, I guess, but you need two wins, two Cardinals losses, and at least one Bears loss to get in, and there is no other way. And maybe the hardest part of that is you have to go down to New Orleans on Friday against the Saints team that got Drew Brees back that took the Chiefs to the wire and probably needs to keep winning for his own playoff positioning. So um, it's a – it's one of the, the the old commercial uh, with Jordan and Larry bird trying to bank the ball off the Sears tower and from the riverboat and all this stuff to play for each other's McDonald's. It's kind of that type of a, uh, a shot that it would take to get in.
0: So Jim, I would venture to guess the opinion is that's much ado about nothing considering how we've seen this team play.
1: I don't trust them to win at new Orleans. New Orleans did play the chiefs tough today. Uh, Breeze is back and I'd be sharper by Friday than he was this week. They have Taysom Hill in reserve. He's not. uh, And I don't know if I want to say it's a tough place to play. I don't know. It's going to be like 3,000 fans or something. So I don't think fan reaction is going to be the same, obviously, as it usually is for a game in New Orleans. But I don't know. I mean, two obvious contradictory thoughts. One is, do I expect the Vikings to go win a must-win game at New Orleans on a short week? No. But, you know, to to pay homage to Sid Hartman, it's a crazy league. I mean, you know, every week we are surprised by results. So, you know, so while I don't expect the Vikings to be able to win or get in, I also wouldn't bet $5 against it or anything else in this league.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess at this point I'm not going to bet on their chances, even if they do find a way to win these next two games and get in. I don't know if we've seen anything that makes you think, you know what, this team can get hot
1: really make some noise. I just – I don't know. No, they, as we've said before, they've only beaten one good team all year. It was at Green Bay. Still, you know, and they just played it perfectly with Dalvin Cook in the running game. Just, they have not played well this year except for a couple just very brief
0: moments. Yeah, morale is low, just judging on the post-game press conferences and the body language after that game. Um, speaking of, we'll try to keep our morale up for these final two games. Please check out all of our work at StarTribune.com. We'll have a podcast this week previewing Friday's matchup in New Orleans on Christmas Day.
1: Maybe you should get off the
0: podcast.